electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Kington here with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Second Monday in a row with a potential COVID vaccine breakthrough as Moderna says phase three data shows nearly 95 percent efficacy. That reopening trade is on. Dow needs 520 points to hit 30K and futures say we could get close at the open. Our roadmap begins with that renewed vaccine optimism. Moderna joins Pfizer in detailing their own strong data. Plus, as for the market, well, U.S. stocks are poised for new records. The S&P and Dow soaring, at least the futures are, on investor optimism about that vaccine. And the Dow's within striking distance of 30,000. And we've got a lot of deals this morning. PNC looking to become one of America's largest banks. It's set to buy the U.S. operations of the Spanish bank BBVA, $11.6 billion, the purchase price. And other deals to tell you about as well this morning, Carl. All right, guys, let's start with the Moderna news. Obviously, Jim, uh, excellent news for the second week in a row. Uh, Dr. Fauci on some of the networks earlier today saying the data are striking. The results are just as good as it gets. Yeah, I really think that we have to go back just a couple of months and recognize that even uh, if we had any hope that there would be a successful vaccine, I don't know, maybe 70, 80 percent, I mean, 50 to 60 for the flu is something that we've learned. I was uh, critical of Moderna. The insider selling was bad. Well, it turns out the insider selling was bad, meaning that they sold badly. Uh, I do think that what, what's happened here is we have kind of vaccine Monday, David, where we have merger money, we have vaccine Monday. And I think that next is going to be not RNA, it's going to be AstraZeneca. David, you continually, I think, wait for what we really need. It's, the bridge is not just mass. The bridge is therapeutics. And no. that's something we haven't been good at. No, and it looks at this point as though, Jim, the vaccines are going to be out before we get real therapeutics. Now, Eli Lilly's monoclonal antibody has been already approved for emergency use, but there's not a lot of it available. Right. When you're talking about 150, 160, who knows, 200,000 cases we may have pretty soon a day. That's just not feasible because that's supposed to be infused early to avoid any real complications, Jim. So the hopes for antivirals proceeding and being that bridge to a vaccine, I don't know. They'll still be out there, though, when a lot of people are not vaccinated and therefore still be available in that same time when we're starting to vaccinate people, but other people are getting sick. Hopefully the antivirals will be available then so that really we can, uh, a lot of people can feel a lot more comfortable in terms of leading a normal life again. Right. I mean, Carl, I think that when we see numbers like today, what happens is the airline stocks immediately go up and the hotel stocks and the retail stocks. And then what happens? Well, Norwegian cruise, the numbers are cut because there won't be uh, any sailing till March, not January. Uh, American drops some very key and lucrative routes. So the, the the younger buyers, and I do think that the younger buyers who can't wait and have to buy at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., are uh, they just are so enthused. And then the facts come and, and the facts just don't fit the story. They do make you feel like it will eventually be good, Carl. But I just don't get the sense that we're going to go on a cruise in the next four months. I just don't think so. Yeah. 
Although, um, you know, Fidelity did some charts last night looking at the Goldman baskets, the reopening basket, the stay-at-home basket. And the stay-at-home is hitting lower highs and the reopening, although way behind, is trying to catch up. Well, look, I think there are a lot of companies that are going to adjust. Uh, you see a stay-at-home company, they can... Uh, they can do different things. They're not just sitting there and saying, OK, listen, I want to go take a beating. Now, Peloton doesn't have much of a chance. I think Netflix does if they do the right product. I have Teladoc on uh, later this week. I don't think Teladoc is something that comes and goes. You may say it's inflated. Uh, DocuSign with a great deal with Zoom. I don't know. I think there are these are things that are here to stay. David, I do not hear uh, anybody saying, you know what? We are going to return to the heyday of when we put people on planes and spend a lot of money because the gross margins have been terrific for a lot of uh, companies that can do things by Zoom. There's no doubt that a lot of companies have, have been able to save a great deal of money on T&E and on travel, well, on so many of those things, as you say. For some companies, it, you know, it barely moves the needles. For others, it is a major savings, Jim. And as we've said many times, listen, we can all sit here and still talk about what things will be like when the coronavirus, hopefully and thankfully, is gone or at least uh, neutered. But, uh, you know, we don't know. But I think we can assume fairly that travel will not be business. Travel will not be back to the levels it was in 2019, perhaps not ever or certainly not for a long period of time. That said, Jim, I mean, to your point, we watched this last week with the Pfizer vaccine. Moderna, this is great news. There's no doubt about it. Ninety four and a half percent in terms of what they're talking about uh, is is amazing. But we're in the midst of uh, of COVID out of control right now, Jim, right. country. Uh, and it looks like it's going to be a very difficult couple of months ahead, if not more, when these first doses get out from Moderna, from Pfizer, unclear who they will go to, how they'll be fully distributed. Thankfully, this can be sent out at a, a higher temperature than the Pfizer. I say thankfully, maybe it makes it a little less difficult to, to transport in some ways, although it does appear that they're going to be ready for that. But as well, they can store it for up to six months at minus 20 Celsius and up to 30 days at normal refrigerator conditions after thawing. So that's good news yeah, that's great. for the Moderna. But my point, I guess, on my question, Jim, is, you know, last week we watched the same trade take place. By the end of the week, growth was coming back and we've still got COVID cases out of control in the country. Let me say, Carl. Uh, facts don't get in the way of the story. Guys, as David said, there's a lot to unpack in the Moderna news. Uh, the side effects, the standards for storage, the number of doses available. Meg Terrell uh, talked to Bansell earlier this morning and joins us now. Hey, Meg. Hey, Carl. So that 94.5% efficacy figure exceeding the bar that was set extremely high by Pfizer last week with more than 90% efficacy. And we actually got more data from Moderna from this trial this morning. So we know the number of cases they saw in this study of 30,000 people, and that's how they determine the efficacy. So 95 people in the trial got COVID-19, and 90 of those cases were among people who were not vaccinated, who were in the placebo arm. Just five were among people on the vaccine. Importantly, they also saw saw 11 cases of severe COVID-19, so people who had elevated heart rate, low oxygen, or had to go to the ICU. Um, all of those cases were among people who were not vaccinated on the placebo. So this suggests the vaccine could be highly protective, not just against any case of COVID-19, but also severe disease, which would be 
tremendously important from a public health standpoint. Now on safety, of course, lots of questions there. What's this going to be like for people to take? They didn't see any significant safety concerns, but after the second dose, people did report fatigue, muscle pain, joint pain. So uh, this is going to be something people will feel taking, but of course, public health experts would argue it's a lot better than getting the disease. Now Moderna intends to submit for the uh, FDA's emergency use authorization uh, in the coming weeks. So of course, guys, they are really sort of on pace alongside with Pfizer, and we will see this play out. Supply, of course, is another huge question. Moderna saying it'll have 20 million doses delivered in the United States by the end of 2020. This is a two-shot vaccine, so that's enough for 10 million people. Next year, globally, 500 million to a billion doses they hope to have available. We talked with Stefan Bonsell, the CEO of Moderna, about the pace of rolling this out, and here's what he said. I think with our vaccine and the other vaccine, that's, that's a good hope that we should be able in Q1 to get people at high risk vaccinated in the U.S. if they desire so. Guys, there are still a lot of questions, though. One is, does this prevent all infection uh, with SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, or does it just prevent people from feeling uh, sick with the disease? We don't know that yet, so that's something they're going to be digging further into. The other huge question is, how long does this protection last? We don't know that about the Moderna vaccine. We don't know about the Pfizer and BioNTech vaccine. BioNTech CEO has been saying he thinks at least a year. We just don't know. So they're going to be following these people for longer to try to get those answers. But... Really good news this morning, guys. Back over to you. Let me just make, I I know that J&J is very bullish in what they're doing, and they've just kind of said, look, we're going to just make a huge number of our vaccines, so if we do win, it's going to be distributed. Uh, Was it just not possible for Moderna to make any more than it was doing? Yeah, actually, we talked with uh, Stefan Bonsell about that this morning, and he pointed out this is their first vaccine. You know, they have 10 others that they've been working on, but this is their first commercial product if it gets approved. And so they've sort of had to build up this manufacturing capacity and establish partnerships. It has one with Lanza to help it make all this vaccine this year while they were developing this vaccine. So building the airplane while they were flying it, essentially. Um, and so the uh, NIH is having a conference call right now where, you know, they were asked, could they do more in terms of manufacturing this? And so they're talking about that. They're saying they're trying to beat these targets that have been put out there. Um, but as of now, this was what Moderna was able to do. And it struck that big partnership with Lanza, too. Hey, Meg, David mentioned the uh, storage standards earlier. Uh, six months in a freezer, 30 days in a fridge, 12 hours in a room. Uh, plus, no special dilution or handling upon delivery. How big of a deal is that? Well, it should be tremendously helpful. I mean, in the new news in that this morning is that Moderna says that uh, the ability to store it in a refrigerator at temperatures 36 to 46 degrees Fahrenheit now is up to 30 days. Before, they just said seven days. Uh, and so that should make it easier to distribute this, particularly to you know rural areas that might not have the access to those extremely cold freezers where you need to keep the Pfizer vaccine at minus 70. Um, You you can take the Pfizer vaccine out and keep it at less cold temperatures for a few days, um, but then you have to have people lined up ready to get vaccinated. Uh, And so simplifying those kinds of um, distribution issues will be tremendously helpful, but both of these vaccines are going to be needed. And so the trick is going to be figuring out where to send what vaccine uh, and making sure to really optimize what's available uh, at the beginning. Yeah, Meg, that was getting to my question. I mean, remind us again, Pfizer's also going to have how many doses initially available, perhaps as soon as by the end of the year, just trying to understand how many potential people could get a vaccine from either Moderna or Pfizer 
let's call it within the next or in the December, January timeframe? Yeah, so we heard from um, Alex Azar that Pfizer is due to be delivering 20 million doses per month, I believe starting uh, in November. So together, that would be 40 million doses from Pfizer. That's also a two-shot vaccine, so that's enough for 20 million people. Moderna, 20 million doses by the end of the year, Mm -hmm. enough for 10 million people. So you're talking 30 million um, in the U.S. by the end of this year, if I've done my math correctly on the fly there. Uh, And then more, you know, coming throughout the early months of 2021. Meg, another big day, uh, and we understand it better (laughs) thanks to you, uh, our Meg Terrell, having talked to Moderna earlier this morning. Jim, uh, Borla of Pfizer uh, tweets, uh, congratulations to Moderna. Our companies share a common goal, uh, defeating this dreaded disease, and today we congratulate everyone at Moderna. Uh, Pretty strong words. Yeah, look, I think that one of the things that's great about this is that science is pretty united. Uh, the uh, Glaxo, by the way, with Sanofi. I, I don't understand why so many people are, are jaded about this. When I talk to people, I say, yeah, but it will never get there. or It really doesn't matter. Uh, and yet the scientists just keep coming up with big wins. And uh, I, I think that six months ago, we thought that the scientists couldn't come up with a win. I know I, I, I was ridiculed in the New York Times for believing in science. I love that because I, I thrive on ridicule because ridicule I am a masochist. But, David, you have to admit that these people uh, at these drug companies are not damn fools. No, they seem to not. know what they're doing. Science seems to always be our one savior, doesn't it, even though there's a lot of people who don't seem to believe in it at all? Yes, um, David, there are a lot of people who don't believe in science. You can go through history. Was the course too hard? The Were the classes too hard? I know. Say again? Were the classes too hard for I, them? I, they I, took art. I, I, Maybe I they took a, a I don't know what they took or didn't take. They didn't Listen, take science. I didn't, I didn't take a lot of physics or, or chemistry either, but... I believe in science and we can be awfully thankful for the efforts that have been made. Yes. Truly amazing. Um, but we're not there yet, Jim. Again, back to it. I mean, you know, let's come back to the to this moment here where we are likely to set new records for daily caseloads. Right. A lot of states are starting to see hospitalizations reach a point that is maximum in their ability. Um, we've got some states, uh, Michigan, state of Washington, that are sort of starting to shut down certain parts of the state or certain activities. And no real prospect, you heard Mick Mulvaney earlier on Squawk Box, of additional stimulus coming in the next couple of months. We've talked about this a lot. You in particular have championed so many of the small and medium-sized businesses, Jim, restaurants being one of the key ones. Yeah. What's going to happen over the next couple of months? I had Cisco on kind and they said there's been tremendous resilience among them, but that was because you had outside. I think outside's going away rather quickly. And then it's just too cold. Guys, a lot to get, lot to, get to. As uh, we said earlier, a lot of M&A regarding uh, Home Depot, Simon Property, PNC. We are on the lookout for uh, Dow 30K at the open as the S&P's on pace for the fifth best month in the last 30 years. Don't go. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. The co-founder and CEO of BioNTech, the company partnering with Pfizer on a COVID-19 vaccine, says he believes daily life may return to normal by next winter. In an interview yesterday with the BBC, the CEO said, quote, if everything continues to go well, we'll start to deliver the vaccine end of this year. 
beginning in next year. Our goal is to deliver more than 300 million of vaccine doses until April next year, which could allow us to already start to make an impact. He said, quote, I'm confident this will happen because there are a number of vaccine companies helping us to increase the supply and so that we could have a normal winter next year. I guess, Jim, this goes back to what we were just talking about. I mean, that's still a long way away. Yeah, that's uh, given the fact that probably what what percentage of the country doesn't believe in the meager ways we can stop this physical distance. Uh, contact trace is kind of now gone uh, mass. Literally, if half the country doesn't believe in it, then they prevail. Uh, some of the Hunger Games-like analysis that I'm seeing on my Twitter feed is interesting. Like the great culling, uh, which I find to be hard to believe. <laughs> I mean, Carl, how can we have a culling in our country? I mean, we're like a pretty good country. I mean, uh, I Jim, people- it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, CNN had a nurse on this morning in South Dakota whose patients literally in intensive care still don't believe it's COVID. They're, they're trying to find other uh, other reasons why they might be in the hospital in very dire situations. It's incredible. And your point largely is a good one. Dr. Fauci this morning talked about the fact that even though it feels like this vaccine news is binary, uh, the institution of it into American lives is not going to be immediate. Take a listen. If we get most of the country vaccinated in the second, third quarter of the year, and the vaccine continues to prove its efficacy and people adhere to those fundamental measures, I think we can start approaching the degree. It's not going to be a light switch, Jake. We're not going to turn it on and off, going from where we are to completely normal. It's going to be a gradual accrual of more normality as the weeks and the months go by as we get well into 2021. Now, that's going to be a process for the markets, too. Yikes. I mean, that's shows you that people who are buying the Norwegians and buying the, uh, the carnivals have to hope that there's enough cash. Uh, because when you listen to that, I don't think that you'll be able to go on a cruise. I was actually hoping for something uh, that would allow me to get on a, uh, a Southwest Air without any, you know, a jam-packed Southwest Air going to, I don't know what, to see what, David? Uh, Disneyland, which isn't open yet? No, Disneyland's not. Disney World is. 25%. Um, right. As soon as we possibly can. This is all this is good news. Let's take it as that. But we still know we've got a lot of tough days ahead. And if people don't wear masks, it makes it even tougher. We have two presidents. Does that help? We have one that's in the White House (laughs) and one that's trying to get in the White House. And eventually, let's see what happens on that day. I mean, I once was evicted from a building and it was odd. More on that later, Carl. Yeah, uh, yeah. Felix Unger, uh, November 13th, the odd couple day was last week. Uh, We'll take a short break here. We'll talk about what the president uh, said over the weekend and what uh, the president-elect is expected to say about the economy when he speaks with Kamala Harris later on this afternoon. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, 
The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Thanks. Right. Welcome back. Uh, let's get to a mad dash. I mentioned that if you heard it, because uh, we've got this upgrade. Well, we've got Wells Fargo initiating coverage on Timo uh, and AT&T T. and Verizon. And they sort of one's a little hot. One's, you know, right. Well, very different, right. uh, different temperatures. Well, David, what I think is most interesting here is this pretty much is one of those situations where if you want growth, T-Mobile is clearly the growth engine. If you want uh, good income, Verizon. But, David, if you want to take the risk and roll the dice on a big dividend, it's ATT. Now, obviously, uh, they say Ma Bell bit off more than she can chew. David, yeah, they, they have it as an underweight. Yes. AT&T. Underweight. Whereas Timo is an overweight and Verizon is a equal weight. David, <laughs> Warner Media, they're, not, they're saying yeah. far from a box office hit, dividend secure near term. But, David, Warner Media, did they just get what, what, that was just a good idea going awry? What happened there? Well, you know, uh, the, the, listen, uh, some will, there's an argument to be made that the year that it took to fight for antitrust approval beyond where they thought they would actually close the deal hurt them. Um, but they paid a very big price. And the assets, uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult time, as we know. And the key is direct-to-consumer, and the key is HBO Max and the success of that. Uh, and we're still sort of trying to figure that out. And why is T-Mobile the best positioned? Why do they grow faster and why did it turn out that John Ledger view was correct? They were so aggressive, they were, yeah. so aggressive, uh, and they seem to be integrating Sprint quite well. And don't forget, they claim they're extremely well positioned for 5G in terms of the mid-band, in terms of the spectrum that they have that they can deploy to over 100 million pops. That means a population of 100 million or more in the United States by the end of this year. One of the best stocks in the entire stock market. Really rather amazing. Yeah, under and CEO Mike Siebert. I got to hand it to who him. Who never he, comes on, walking the street. Can we get No, he won't come on with us. Well, what show does he go on? He goes on the later show, the Sarah Eisen and Wolf Frost show. Eisenhower. I throw my All hands right. up. I throw my hands up. Well, I'm going to work on that today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll get him on Matt. I see you that. Yeah, I know. Anyway, good going, though, Timo. We got a lot more for you, including a market open. We look like we're going to have a big rally on that Moderna news. Stay with us. Looking for a strong open this morning as uh, Dow futures at least are uh, positive in the wake of that uh, phase three interim trial data from Moderna, Jim. You know, one thing about uh, some of the commentary this morning, even before the Moderna news, 
JP Morgan on Friday, the equity market is facing one of the best backdrops for sustained gains in years. That's Kalanovic, as um, a lot of the street is seeing beyond uh, some of this COVID news. Yeah, I think it is uh, very, very interesting that most of the strategists are quite positive. And uh, to some degree, I don't blame them because we have low inflation. We have the Fed on the side of the bulls. Uh, we've got pretty good earnings. The stocks that are going down are just stocks that happen to be stocks that you buy when the, there's a pandemic. And I think what's most interesting today, and David, you've got to see this. This is really incredible. The bank stocks, the bank stocks could be the biggest winners at the opening. That was, that was last Monday, too. I know. Remember? It's, they it, were up double-digit percentages, but by the end of the week, they started to, to give them. it all back. You had to sell them today. But let's watch that, because I see tremendous gains. Uh, why? PNC? What is the reason? It's not the bond market. What's the reason for that buy? M&A? I don't think so. No. Me, Carl, there's just things that go up because they're in the indices and they go up. And I w- it's kind of circular reasoning, but it's happening. And you have to have negative research, right. like a piece that we saw today from the evidence lab, I think, on Apple. Uh, not doing that well. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not kidding. Every time I hear that evidence lab. Uh, I do. I mean, it's, and, and, uh, what can I say? Well, what? what are you going, huh? What's the matter with that? No, I love the evidence <laughs> lab. It's just, I always think of them stamping it. Apples. Yeah. That's, Put that into evidence right there. Yeah. Well, at least they're different. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Merrill Lynch has this, like, U.S. Uh, Route 66 up-down thing. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, Carl, I, I think that the most important call this morning, believe it or not, is international paper uh, putting a second price hike through uh, probably in the near future. That's an indicative of great growth in the old days. So if you have a second price hike, but you still have lower inflation, what you end up with is a situation where there's actual real growth. Not like not unlike the CSX recommendation we saw today. And then lo and behold, Tyson, David Tyson is up. Tyson's up. Tyson's up. Okay. Can you just kind of preserve that kind of a, I don't know, you know, just kind of a scrapbook of Tyson being up? Has that not been up much? You know, David's been down 30% for the year. Mm. Mm. Oh, you don't yeah. even buy chicken and pork, do you? No, apparently you're going to have trouble buying toilet paper and bounty paper towels again, but they don't sell that. David, you just sound so negative. I do? Yes. I don't mean to. Well, I mean, I just think that I gave you a good story about Tyson Fuse. You refused to Tell me it. what happened with Tyson. They, Why had is good, it up? They, had a, they had a quarter that wasn't horrendous. Come on. Give it up for Tyson. They're like, the, they're like the Giants, man. They're the best team in the NFC East. Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, I didn't mm. need that. I didn't need that. Anyway, Carl, back to you. <laughs> it's the way to stop him from talking. That was tough. Just mention Although, the Eagles, Carl. <laughs> Arizona Buffalo, that was fun. I mean, at least that if you're looking for wow. good football action, guys. Wow. I'm thinking yep. of moving. That was amazing. Andre Hopkins' hands. Uh, Jim's. So um, 36.45 was the November 9th intraday high. We didn't quite get there. Uh, of course, day's just getting started. But um, I guess it'll be interesting to see how some of these overall levels track for the technicians. Yeah, I think what's incredible here is that we're at the beginning of still one big NASDAQ rollover. And people yet are trying to buy the NASDAQ, not realizing that this is NASDAQ down day. I mean, and David, it's not just the Robin Hood people. It's other people. I don't know. I mean, people who said, what, that Moderna was going to fail? 
I mean, but NASDAQ, I mean, someone's buying the NASDAQ right now, not realizing right. that last Monday the NASDAQ rolled over big. So what's the point? Uh, so you're questioning whether or not we're going to see this. You think we're going to see the same pattern we did last week? Well, now, listen, I mean, it's somewhat muted. La- last Monday on the Pfizer news, was it one day? I think it was, right? Um, we were up double digits in the banks. Right now, you got J.P. Morgan, to your point, up about 3.5%. Bank of America up 2 City up 4 I mean, big moves. City up 4%. Percent. What happened at City that they're up 4 N- Nothing. No. no. Nothing. No. Jane Frazier's taking over uh, next or, you oh. know, at the end of the year. I mean, Carl, it is incredible to see these restaurant stocks go up with the idea that somehow, because of Moderna, we are going to go to Olive Garden six weeks ahead of when we thought. What can I say? Yeah, it's a good point, Jim. Um, uh, I'm looking at, uh, for example, I think uh, Piper goes to 1745 Chipotle today. Yes. But clearly that name is not benefiting from this uh, tailwind. You mentioned City. That's the first trip above the uh, 200 days since February 25. Right. You got to go back a ways to see a cool. uh, uh, city at 50 relative to the trend. Four percent yield. Uh, book value, tangible book value, dramatically higher. No buyback and can't raise dividend, David. It's an exercise for people just be they're at the mercy. The stocks that don't have buyback and dividend tend to be I mean, they can't raise tend to be left behind. Meanwhile, PNC. Yeah. People want growth. Yep. PNC is probably going to be up six or seven, right, over the next few days. Yeah. Because they, they got something from the Sp- Spaniards, BBVA. They are desperate for cash. This was a brilliant move, and only PNC could do it, Carl, because none of the other banks uh, would ever pass muster. They're too big. So I just regard this as being a, what a halcyon moment for everything other than well, the stay-at-homes. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, David, I've been waiting for uh, we're going to talk to PNC next hour. I've been yeah. waiting for you to bundle PNC, Simon <laughs> and, and Home Depot. Oh, we'll, uh, get, we'll get it done now on the PNC deal. We should mention and Jim, of course, you guys both pointed out eleven point six billion. Largely, this is the proceeds, remember, from the, from the sale right. of BlackRock that took place months ago by PNC. That was a huge number, too, that they brought in there. A seamless done easily. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what was able to be done without people even on trading floors. Um, anyway, they, that, those proceeds going towards what Jim was just telling you about and Carl was just telling you about, what are they getting? $104 billion in assets, headquartered in Houston, Texas, provides commercial and retail banking services uh, through BBVA USA, 637 branches. We're talking Texas, Alabama, Arizona, California, Florida, Colorado, New Mexico. Uh, and so they're talking about a coast-to-coast franchise now, presence in 29 of the 30 largest markets in the U.S., you see PNC is respond, uh, responding positively, not nearly as much so, though, as the seller here. Uh, Carl mentions it. Let's get to the two deals. Uh, Jim, let's first start with Taubman and okay. Simon, because you and I talked a good deal about it. Man, I spent a lot of time talking to the lawyers on both sides of this, hearing their arguments as to why, you know, uh, listen, the Taubman side was thought to have and continue to have a very strong case. But the business had deteriorated a lot. People want to sort of draw a connection to Tiffany. Well, listen, these guys actually had pandemic carved out, but their business had deteriorated a lot more than Tiffany's. Perhaps they didn't have the negotiating leverage. Um, you did have a couple of other things that, that the, the um, Simon side really felt that they at least had some chance with the judge on. Not going to happen, of course. You got the deal. 43 from 52.50. From 52.50 to 43 Jim, uh, but basically same deal terms. They could close it as soon as before the end of this year. It does need a new uh, shareholder uh, approval. Um, 
Not unexpected in some ways, Jim, but David Simon did get a significant price reduction, right. though they're still taking on a lot of debt. Don't just look at the price overall. Remember, they're also taking on a lot of the debt here as well. That, oh, the debt that comes along with it, I should say. Wait, look, this is a vaccine play. Federal Realty, which is the largest shopping center chain, okay, up $5. They never cut their dividend because Don Wood fought and fought. And I think that people want to be back in these stocks uh, because happy days are here again or soon will be here again with the vaccine. So there is just, David, people are not looking at the mall right now. The thing about the mall in the future, what's interesting, of course, is that the mall in the future is going to be more vacant than the mall for now. And I don't know. I mean, I listened to a, someone on Brian Sullivan's show today saying, listen, if you lived in Phoenix, you'd be going to the mall twice a week. It's just New York. You don't go to the mall all the time. And you know, Carl, I don't know. I, I, maybe the mall is, has whole has appeal in some parts of the country. But the stores that are in there are doing quite poorly, with the exception of LB. And by the way, uh, some of the things that that Matt Boss has been recommending today, he recommends Tapestry. David, that is not the song. Mm-hmm. That no. is the actual old coach. I mean, not the album by Carol King. Right? OK, it wasn't the, the album. album. Yeah, the album. Yeah. Yeah, you, a lot of great songs on that album. Really amazing. Yeah, I mean, that takes us back to our youth. Formative. Yes, formative but, without a doubt. Yeah, um, well, uh, it, by the way, this, the Taubman Simon was the, is the last of the big deals that was announced pre-pandemic that got held up by it, uh, that it will now close, um, or at least appears to close, on a renegotiation. Remember, Tiffany gave up a few bucks to LVMH. Here, the give up is bigger, but I think many Taubman shareholders certainly happy with it. A lot have been hedged, by the way. Uh, also, um, don't forget. So it's not nearly as quite a big payday. Um, but the downside here was seen as 15 bucks or lower for Taubman if the deal had actually fallen apart or the judge had agreed wow. with Simon's, sorry, Simon's argument. And again, a lot of people were hedged with puts. Um, let's get to Home Depot, Jim. Um, in 2000, I went back in, mm-hmm. uh, on June 19, 2007, Home Depot uh, announced uh, that, it, uh, that it was um, selling yeah, Home Depot frankly, supplies. Um, $10.325 billion was the price to a, a, a number of private equity firms. They said at the time that it, I guess it was Nardelli who had built it up, but on, Frank Blake, as you say, had just come in in yep. 2007. And they said that they began a strategic review of HD supply in an effort to increase the company's focus on its core retail business. After a thorough review of alternatives, the board unanimously approved the sale of HD supply. 13 years later, they're buying it back. Um, and yet Home Depot's up. And Home Depot's up. Again, they sold it for 10, what was it? I mean, now, you know, sometimes there are different things associated with it. So I don't right. want to say it's apples to apple. 10-3. They're buying it back for eight uh, or 56 bucks a share in cash. And they say now uh, that it's going to allow them, uh, you know, to, well, to create significant benefits for customers, associates, and shareholders, um, given how intrinsic it is to the potential future for the company. I, I, I don't know. Well, I agree. Look, uh, David, get, get used to this term, M-R-O, maintenance, repair, and operations. And Home Depot is in maintenance and repair, right? And HD Supply is a natural. It was a natural. never really understood the spinoff, if only just because uh, you want that business. You want the maintenance and repair business if you're from Home Depot. Remember, Lowe's was rumored to be buying it. Uh, Marvin Nelson shot it down. But... Uh, the ob- obviously, the reaction to it is, is positive. And again, we're in the uh, open trade moment. We've got open trade today. Uh, and you can always tell open trade by looking at certain stocks that go down. Um, and they tend to be the stocks that we love. The, 
the Zoom trade. The what trade? Zoom. Oh, what's open trade? What, what do you, what do you that, mean? That's the open, meaning the economy's open. I mean, I mean we're oh, open for okay. business. Oh, okay, sorry, yeah. And DocuSign goes to anything. Things that, that, that frankly, are selling at, at incredibly higher multiples versus they, what they would be. DocuSign is actually up there. Carl, you, you said something really important. You said that lower highs, and lower highs is that chart of Zoom. That's lower highs. People yep. want out of Zoom video, yep. Carl. They want out of it in the worst way. Yeah, although I would uh, applaud Zoom for they are removing the 40-minute uh, free uh, cap, uh, uh, basically, for Thanksgiving so that families oh, can talk great. to each other, I think, uh, Wednesday into Friday. So nice of them. But you're right, Jim. Uh, although we should point out here before we get to Pasani that the Nasdaq has managed to climb into the green along with its cohort, the Dow and S&P. It's good. I'm pro-Zoom. I think this stock's interesting here. But anyway, there you go. Um, look at those. Look at Netflix up. With, and that, David, is Netflix uh, the Queen's Gambit? Is that what that's about? <laughs> you know, I've been watching that. Have you been watching Everyone, that? the whole country's watching. Are they? Yes. Yeah, we're, we're not quite through it. Oh, should I give it away? No, don't give it away. Please don't. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, Man, that chess. Wow. Who knew? Right? Who knew? Bob, Bobby Fischer knew. Bobby Fischer, yeah. Well, yeah, well Carl, I don't know. Completely I mean, crazy. It is, it, it is ridiculously positive market. And I think it, a lot of it are these new buyers who actually have hope. And, and, and they're not corroded. And they're not trying to figure out how to sell the news, Carl. They actually like the news and they buy on the news. How different from the last 30 years. They like the news yeah. and they buy the uh, news. Meantime, Jim, 10-year, uh, 90 basis points, not quite as high as we got last week. I think it was Morgan Stanley this morning says they see 145 by year-end 2021. Copper, uh, another uh, multi-year record this wow. morning. So we'll keep our eye on materials. How about the Chinese with that yeah, very big uh, trade growth deal. in that deal? Yeah. Which we haven't talked about, which what, is the, world, the, the world the, trade deal. Yeah, the trade deal that doesn't include us. It's, it's unclear what the benefits will necessarily be, but it is interesting to note it's the largest single trade deal. Right. They've been a part of. Does not, no, it does not include us. Um, TikTok's still alive. Yes. What's the word from Oracle, David? I haven't heard a thing of you. No, uh, no one has. I saw 60 Minutes at a piece on it last night. Um, for those of us been following it closely, not really that much you didn't know, but interesting that they chose to, to uh, show that prominently. But, yeah, we're still waiting on the TikTok deal in terms of news, but they are able to continue. The Commerce Department saying, okay, you can keep going for now um, as you take a look at the 10-year note. But you mentioned China, Jim. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, regulation there has been very important. We've been talking a lot about it lately, and financial, obviously, the decision to uh, put off the IPO. Baba last week. We've seen the reaction to some of the comments from Jack Ma, not just Baba, but J.D. and a number of others, even though they're showing continued very strong uh, consumer spending and growth for those companies. There is concern overall about anti-monopoly regulation in China. Yeah, look, uh, are, are people too powerful? I don't know. Uh, it, it does seem like that if you uh, look at things like uh, J.D., which had a really terrific quarter and the stock's getting slugged. A lot of people told me, watch J.D., it's going to be indicative of the market. It certainly is not. People want to be in the United States. Uh, I think, once again, you see an amazing, amazing carnival, Norwegian. You know, a place like Norwegian, they can, what they can do, okay, yeah. is they can make sure that everyone's vaccinated. They can make, right? I mean, because there will be vaccines available. 
They can test everybody before they get on. And I'm ready. I'm ready. Carl, I'm ready. If that's what they do, I'll go in the Haven section of the Norwegian cruise, which is what I was going to do in February of last year before this, because it's fantastic. The prices are amazing. You should look at the deals. The deals on Haven right now, I feel like buying and then putting it on eBay. That's how great they are. Haven being the section of Norwegian that is up the top. And it's fantastic. I see. Up top of the actual ship? Yes. Ah, got it. Ship. You see, they... I didn't call it a boat. I called it a ship, at least. At least you did that. (laughs) Carl, I'm I'm, Uh, I'm flummoxed. Guys, it's a pretty interesting market day. Um, We got the the Dow being led by Boeing. uh, Almost back to 200, first time since June. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Morning, Bob. Morning, guys. Happy Monday and uh, quite an advance here. Five to one advancing to declining stocks. We got the S&P over 3,600. Russell's essentially at a new high. Transport's essentially at a new high. Let's not quibble about a few points here. And you can see that big rotation that we've been talking about all last week still happening again today. Take a look at the sectors here. And the story is uh, pretty simple. Three major moves here. So into value like banks and energy, uh, out of uh, uh, growth like technology, uh, into cyclicals like industrial stocks, which are outperforming, uh, and out of defensive like consumer staples, and broadly into small caps over big caps. Those are the three big momentum trades that we've been seeing uh, ever since really the vaccine came out. You look at the at things like the REITs here, Simon Property Group, my heavens, I mean, Simon Property Group was $60 six trading sessions ago, seven trading sessions ago. Look at this. It's, it's $80. That's 30% move in some of these big REITs here. Same with the travel stocks is a lot of 30% movers in the last six or seven trading sessions. So Carnival Cruise Lines was 12 or $13, you know, six or seven trading sessions ago. Look, it's almost 18 now. It's a 30% move in six or seven days. Same with the energy stocks. I talked last week about the refiners, which are acting like all of a sudden the whole country is going to go on a holiday in the first and second quarter of next year. And that may well be the case. Holly Frontier was $17, uh, six or seven trading sessions. So that's another 30% move here. It's $23. Uh, right now. The opposite is happening, of course, from work from home. Uh, Etsy is one of those poster trials for work from home on the upside and the downside. It was 144, I guess, um, six or seven trading sessions ago. Now look at it, 123, 124, somewhere around there. So you can see the declines uh, there, 14, 15%, uh, about even for Facebook and Netflix. Clorox down last week, about 5% down again today. So let's remind ourselves about those buckets we talked about months ago and what moves the markets because a lot of positive stuff. The reopening story is the one negative out of four or five of them that's out there. Treatment of vaccine, a big positive. Divided government, that's a new one on the bucket list and that's generally obviously a positive for the markets here. How about low, ultra low interest rates? That's another positive that we've got. And then Fiscal stimulus, well, it's a possibility. There may be a lame duck stimulus package coming. We don't know or not, but let's say that's a possible. So four out of five are generally positive. In terms of what's driving the stock market, and remember, ultimately, earnings are what matters. Earnings are growing, particularly in the first and second quarter next year, modestly for the fourth quarter. Dividends, let's just call that recovering. I wouldn't say they're rebounding, but they're recovering. Liquidity, is there money to buy stocks out there? That's a big factor. That's high, thanks to the Federal Reserve. You can thank them for that. Here's the one negative in this group. Valuation is very much on the high side. We're trading at 21, 21 and a half times 2021 earnings. That's high. If you look at the S&P 500, 
The market is basically anticipating in 2021, we go back to record highs in earnings. So at 2019, the S&P earned $163. We're going to go down to $137 this year. And in 2021, hey, it's back to 2019. In fact, we're going to hit record highs. The market's anticipating that new highs in earnings. The problem is even at 168, that's pricey. That's 21 times, 21 and a half times forward earnings at the prices we've got right now. So the market's kind of saying, it thinks the earnings are going to get even better than that. Could we do 170, 175, 180? Who knows? We have been doing that in the third quarter. The numbers kept going up. The market is definitely anticipating that the earnings are going to be a little better than some people are anticipating now. We'll see if that happens. But right now, I can tell you, in terms of the earnings, there is definitely anticipation of a big party beginning in the second quarter of 2021, because that's when the earnings really start to move to the upside. Carl, back mm. to you. All right, Bob. Thanks. I'll talk to you in a bit, uh, Bob Pisani. Okay. Of course, when it comes to the vaccine, as Jim said a moment ago, the market is going to have to start pricing in not just speed of development, but speed of delivery. And Moderna CEO Stefan Bensel did talk about how they're going to deploy at least the relatively small number of doses that they make this year. Take a listen. The reason that we are not able to make a billion dollars right away is this is our first commercial product. And so we did not have like the older technologies, manufacturing capacity already built. We had to build everything this year. The good news for uh, a next outbreak, because there's going to be more, uh, is that we will be ready with manufacturing capacity and also want to engage with governments to see how we can do more work to get prepared because I think if we had invested more collectively as a public-private partnership before this virus appeared, I think we could have saved three to six months to getting this type of phase three data. First commercial product, Jim, uh, that's what does make them different from a J&J or Pfizer. No. I, what, what's incredible about Moderna is, is I remember when I interviewed him uh, last year at this time, and it was so novel as no one believed, uh, except for the CEO, just because there's been no history of it. And now uh, it's been proven, and congratulations to them. I know I was skeptical. I admit that. I, I know when I saw Pfizer go in all in on the technology, that made me feel better. But the guys who really have not been hurt from yet are the guys who have the ability to be able to generate a gigantic number of vaccines and are doing it uh, uh, really at the same time. And that's why I keep pointing out J&J, which is starting phase three, David, uh, in U.K., because they're ready. And then what happens is, how do we get it? And we hear over and over again, it's going to be through a couple of drugstores, through McKesson. We don't know how it's going to be distributed. We know it's not going to be the way polio vaccines are distributed, where you lined up at your high school, at the local high school. We don't have any plan like that. But you, what, what do you bet is the plan? I, right. I, Jim, I don't know what the plan is. I do know that there are some at least questioning this transition period between President Trump and President-elect Biden and wondering whether um, we would be better served with a smooth transition because this plan is something that's got to be underway right now. And that's and the question is, you're saying there's there's going to be a transition. Yes, I expect that there will be. I read the the president's Twitter file and you know, this morning, he, but in the middle of the night, he was very in all well, caps. That, that we does go to, again, this, the, the, the friction here, which is larger than we've ever seen. It's really unlike anything we've seen in modern yeah. history, modern uh, presidential history. 
um, what the president continues to say and, what, and do. But back to the vaccine distribution, does the Biden administration have a plan that is somehow not going to be able to as, be easily um, executed because of a lack of coordination with the current administration? I don't know the answer, Jim, right. but I think the question has to go to them because probably right around January 20th is when you're really going to start to see this thing ramp up. Yes. Now, Carl, here's something very interesting. If you look at what the market's mind's thinking, you go to Darden, which I use as Olive, Olive, Olive Garden because it is pretty much generic restaurant. And what are they saying? Well, they're saying they have only a fraction of the tables that are open, but the stock is back to where it was before the pandemic. So I read that as saying that its competitors who don't have the balance sheet are going under. 40 percent rumored to be going under. And and that's just a survival of the fittest because they didn't do anything other than cut the number of people who who they can serve. So I think, yes, they have takeout, but they haven't been that efficient about it. But, Carl, that rally is indicative of the fact that there are far fewer restaurants for them to compete with. And I think that that's that's really incredible. Right. And when we know uh, how we know who the restaurants were that got called uh, from the population, Jim, they largely were not uh, public companies. That's for sure. It does remind me, Jim, of McDonald's today. Yep. Yep. McDonald's and its franchisees will inspect all of its U.S. restaurants uh, to ensure compliance with safety standards in the wake of these covid cases and what the company is calling covid fatigue. That's according to an internal note that Reuters got a hold of. It's apparent we are entering what many predicted would be the most difficult period of the pandemic. This is from uh, Chief Field Officer Charlie Strong. The note also says that so-called safety reaffirmation visits were developed with their franchisees and should be concluded by December 31. They may follow up where necessary, Jim. But, I mean, if McDonald's, which does scale uh, better than anybody, really, if they're looking at this period as being treacherous, that does say something. I do think that there's just a fatigue about this where uh, you'll see I mean, a lot of the, of the illnesses come from families where, where one of the family members uh, has been exposed. And I think that when you look at McDonald's, of course, you'd like to think that, that this the phrasing of, uh, by Chris, whom you met last week, whom you know well, the CEO, it makes it look like, well, what were they doing beforehand? That's unfair. they've been a a very reliable place to go to. But I do think that, uh, Carl, if Halloween was bad, Thanksgiving is going to be atrocious, but that it's just a cut. David, it's a train wreck. We know it's going to happen. So what are we going to do? We just know. I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to barricade myself somewhere. No, I've kept six. I've kept six feet from my daughter. Uh, you know, it's listen, mask wearing would go a long way. But you've made this point. We're going to have a lot of college students returning home for Thanksgiving, if not for a longer period of time, actually. But they're going to be coming home, potentially congregating with other friends who are coming home. Uh, and then they're going to be living at home. So that's an issue. Uh, so but what about Thanksgiving- the healthcare workers? What are they going to do? What are the healthcare workers going to do? We just just say, hey, listen, that was great. Thank you. No, it's a great concern right now as we watch case counts that we've never seen before and hospitalizations at, at, at highs, it's a great concern. And you know a lot of healthcare workers are strongly imploring people to wear masks, to social distance, and do all those things that conceivably could keep the virus at bay. I don't know how well that's working. Apparently not particularly well, given where we are right now, Jim. Well, there's lots of um, states that don't believe in the mandate. And what we have ahead of us for the next couple of months until these vaccines really come into broader circulation. I don't know, Carl. I mean, it does seem... That Thanksgiving is going to be the make or break, and of course the Christmas holidays. But it just seems like it's 
that there are a lot of people who are resigned to it. I I think McDonald's comments are indicative. There's a new group of people who I think just say, okay, I'm going to get sick. And I think that that's not good because there'll be, even though I know the death rate is now, you could argue, below the flu rate. But the problem is the hospital rate because you have these people who are working night and day. And what do they do? I mean, we just decided that they're like in the army and it's a battlefield. And you know what? Thank you for serving on the battlefield. I know, Jim. Uh, Dr. Gottlieb has a good op-ed this morning uh, talking about where supplemental hospital staff. I mean, it was one thing to send them to the Northeast and California in March. But in his words, when the entire country is a hot zone, you can't send them to the hot zone. It's too big. No. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, Jim, as you know, we don't have anything really right now to prevent hospitalization. I mean, again, the, the Lilly drug, right. uh, thankfully, at some point, the Regeneron drug soon. But there's not enough at this rate to really prevent a change in the hospitalization rate, to your point, right. which, by the way, is crowding out other patients who need to be treated for other, other illnesses. And so that's why our death rate or our deaths are so far above where they typically are. What are we, 300,000 more deaths this year than we typically would have? Yeah, the 22,000 last year, the flu. Um, Carl, when do we talk about the military back like we did in New York? Uh, I, well, yeah, I uh, there, there is a report out of Texas that in at least in El Paso, which has come up a few times now, uh, they're starting to bring in inmates, uh, prison inmates, to assist with the body overflow in morgues. I mean, let's hope that let's hope that's an isolated uh, situation there, Jim. But yeah, I. I Hard to tell at this point, especially given the concerns with the transition that you and David were just talking about. Well, I just don't find there's a man. Look, you just, I mean, I know President Trump is unlikely to want to leave the White House. It would be a fabulous time for him to be able to cheer on these people who are just going to. I don't know how many of them are going to be able to make it through this period. I mean, whether whether they'll quit or, or come up with the with, with, with the illness. I just find that there's got to be people looking out for these, these, these people in the hospitals. That's why you wear them. You want to know a reason to wear a mask? Because you don't want to have to inflict the uh, further number of people, David, who are just working around the clock, uh, the doctors, the nurses. That, what is it? Did they sign on? Are they with the 101st, no. the 82nd? They're just, they're, they are the heroes here. There's no doubt, Carl. Well, good you mention it because I haven't heard anywhere else. Dr. Gottlieb. Dr. Gottlieb, spot on, as always. I don't know, Carl. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? Are we already we're done? Yeah. I was just getting started. <laughs> Holy cow. I haven't even looked at what you got. Some great guests tonight. Palo Alto with a phenomenal quarter. But, you know, it's we're in one of those situations where it's a sell. But I think it would be up 20 if it weren't for the fact that it is um, sell the NASDAQ. And then Corsair. This is the premier gaming uh, equipment company, even more than, uh, than Logitech. And they had a monster quarter in Andrew Paul. Look at these guests, David. Can you believe these guests? No, they're incredible. All right, now I'm going to go get the Seifert fella from T-Mobile <laughs> because I'm not going to lose. Wait, I'm going to just lose? You never lose. You're relentless. No, no, it's I am relentless. That shared trait from all successful people. Relentless. Well, anyway, thank you guys. And let's think about these nurses, okay? They didn't get in. They didn't sign on for this. And how amazing they are. Wow. How amazing. Jim, I'm glad you said it. It's so true. We'll see you tonight. Okay, Mad thank Money, you. 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.